to the Holy Hardwood podcast with Pat and Tony. Your New Orleans Pelicans drop fifth game in a row at home against the Dallas Mavericks, 136 to 134. Your Pelicans starters, Brandon Ingram, had 20 points, five rebounds, five assists on nine of 17 from the field. Zion Williamson had 18 points, four assists, two rebounds on seven of 11. Jonas Valanciunas, 15 points, 10 rebounds. Jordan Hawkins, 10 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds. Dyson Daniels, chipping in 17 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. Matt Ryan with 14 points off the bench, and Robinson Earl with 11. Pat, just another kind of abysmal third quarter. Uh, Again, it just kind of seems to be the trend here on out, and just not being able to come out of halftime and, you know, showing some fight and showing effort here. I don't think it's a trend anymore. I think that's just the reality. I think they're, um, you know, they're just a damaged team right now. They have a lot of flaws that, that they can't overcome and, and they're not playing the right way. I mean, really, I mean, we could spend an hour, hour and a half sitting here talking about, oh, well, this guy didn't play good. This guy didn't play play good you know for this reason or that reason but I mean that really doesn't that's not really an effective conversation nobody outside of Dyson Daniels played you know well at all everybody struggled um you know so I don't really think that that's you know the segue to turn towards and and to start discussing that I think the the biggest pick you know conversation at this point is you know what are the things that need to be discussed in terms of improving and and getting this thing back on track because um you know at this point you know they're essentially 10 games into this year and they're at a, a critical crossroad that, you know, this season could, you know, be derailed here and they could be looking at, um, you know, a lost season here within the next four or five games. No doubt about it, Pat. Like you're saying, the schedule's not getting any easier. And, uh, you know, big thing out of all these games is, is, is that defensive end. And it just seems like they just can't get it right uh, right now on that end. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you start that with, you know, the schedule doesn't get any easier. It it doesn't matter. The schedule is irrelevant at this point. You know, there's no game that should be on the schedule right now that they should be feel, you know, feeling like the favorites or they should be looking down towards like they're the superior team. They're they're not playing that way. They're not putting that product on the floor. There's nothing to suggest that, um, you know, they should be in a situation where they feel confident heading into a game that they are a far superior team because that's just that's just not the case, right? I mean. All of these issues have really nothing to do with the teams that they're playing. It's completely and 100% internal and, and on them. Um, so, you know, whether they, you know, right the ship and resolve the issue at hand or, you know, they pack it in and, um, you know, guys start playing for their personal selves and, their, their, you know, their own money and accolades and things like that, that's a decision that they need to be, um, you know, making themselves. But... It's completely irrelevant who they're playing. I don't care if they're playing the, you know, 96 Bulls or the, you know, trust the process Philadelphia 76ers. It's just, it's irrelevant. Yeah, Nate makes good points, Pat, and it's just, it's it's one of these things that it's hard to see when you feel like you, you can see what the issue is and you're kind of just stuck in a crossroads because... You know, there's nothing really that's going to be changing unless there are big changes on the horizon. So, you know, 
we go back to the simple things and not being able to guard a pick and roll and seems like this team just just can't figure that out uh given the personnel that we have currently constructed yeah i mean the the level of dismay currently from both jv and larry is you know it's borderline comical um you know i think we're at a place here where one of us needs to set up a gofundme page and you know essentially um use whatever funds we can come up with to find JV a driver, uh, a home packer, um, maybe a good, you know, travel agent to book him his flights out of town. But he's he's absolutely playing atrocious. And I think, um, you know, the things that he's bringing on a nightly basis are so one-sided that, you know, it just doesn't work anymore. And we've got to find a way to, you know, remove his minutes altogether and, and hopefully get somebody else in because um, although nobody's playing well enough at this point to really, um, you know, be looking at JV in any type of way, it is unfair to them, right? Because, um, you know, he's, he's setting them back so far on a nightly basis that, you know, even the things that certain guys do really well, you know, and play to their strength, it's just not enough to overcome, um, you know, what he's putting that defensive group, um, you know, into every single night. You mentioned it. I believe, what did Dallas hit, 22 threes tonight? It was 20 to, you know, 22 or 23, and it's it's kind of been like that yeah. for everything. I mean, yeah, and you probably had your five to seven that were just, you know, tough three-point makes by both Kyrie and Luca. you know, that they, they created by themselves, um, you know, off the dribble, but, you know, 85% of those threes are all solely based on the fact that they just can't guard anybody in a pick and roll and they have to help over so much that it's just, you know, I mean, these aren't even, you know, closely contested three. I mean, these are wide open, nobody on, on a certain quadrant of the floor, you know, they're so painfully open. It's not even funny. Um, and that all stems from, from his play. And then, you know, I don't know if it's health with Larry. I know obviously he had some procedures in the off season. That was a big talk of him not being ready for camp and not being ready for preseason. And, you know, um, you know, Larry did make it abundantly clear, you know, his own words that, you know, he's a veteran. He's done this um, so many times. No, needs to worry about him. He'll be ready to go. Yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, he just hasn't looked that way on the floor. So I don't know if it's solely just based on um, him not being right physically, but, I can't blame everything that I'm seeing based on just, you know, his inability to be mobile or anything like this. It's the simple things. He's not in the right spots. He's lost a lot of times. He's actually, you know, causing a lot of problems defensively in rotations and um, will completely miss an assignment. And then you see him turn around and start looking at other guys when it really was not their responsibility whatsoever. Um, he hasn't been able to catch a ball in two or three weeks. Um, and, you know, my personal opinion, if, if that's what he's producing and he's not doing the things that is supposed to make him a valuable piece to this roster, then, you know, I, I don't want to see him, you know, spending the 15 to 18 minutes that he does play a game doing that and then floating out to the three-point line and deciding to shoot threes because I don't really understand what the reason, if it's just the new offense, but that's just not his role. And for him to be doing that is honestly just, uh, it's taking away shots from other guys that should be, you know, hopefully getting some looks for the perimeter yeah it's it's definitely frustrating to game in and game out 
kind of see this and you know just talking third quarters do you just chop that up as the the defense is the defense and it just catches up with them or is it a lack of doing not doing things at halftime and adjusting or just coming out flat what do you see I mean, if I had to, you know, put one specific, you know, nail in the issue and say, hey, this is what it is, I think it's a combination of these two things. It's the defense is so handicapped by the inability of the group that's out there and, you know, like we've said, the, the point of attack and JV's inability to keep anybody in front of them, coupled with the fact that about 10, you know, we're 10 games in and I think... It's a. It's safe to say that I feel like Willie has been, if not outcoached in every single game, he has been outcoached in a large majority of these games, and it's not even close. Um, you know, I think early on, and I do think some of it, you know, is well placed that you know the players were playing very well in third quarters, and they were you know had a lot to do with these, you know, poor quarters and poor spurts. But I, I haven't seen anything from Willie. Um, really to show me that he's experienced much growth in the off season or he's brought in a different mindset or mentality into how he wants to do things. It's just, it just seems very elementary, right? The stuff that I'm watching, the, the offensive sets, the schemes, the, the decisions that um, we're making in terms of rotations. It just, none of it really is making a lot of sense to me. I mean, even a guy like Kyra Lewis, right? I mean, I don't think Kyra's played great this year, but then suddenly the last three games he's gone essentially completely out of the rotation um, for not any specific reason that I've seen. You know, he's he is a former lottery pick. He is a guy that um, can help you push pace if that's something that they're hammering home so much about. I, I, that was a head-scratcher to me. Tonight, Najee's coming back off of missing, you know, at this point, almost a month of action probably doesn't have very many full five-on-five live scrimmage reps playing, and he's the first guy off the bench. Um, And to his credit, he played well, but I mean, just not a, you know, not a decision that I think makes a lot of sense if at this point you're you're solely dependent on Najee being your first guy off the bench, and if that's going to be so critical that you have to get him in in that situation, then, um, you know, obviously they have a lot bigger problems at hand, but I think... um, you know, I have been disappointed in, in Willie's performance so far. I think he, he hasn't really done a very good job of, although, yes, he is handicapped with dealing with some injuries, and, you know, a lot of his tenure has been that way. But at the same time, you know, I, you've got to at least try something different. You know, we're, everything looks the same the, every single night, depending on who we're playing or who's on the floor. Um, it just it doesn't change. So um, I'm going to chalk it up to those two things, and I think that that's something that, um, probably needs a little bit more attention up until this point. Definitely note to out. Good points there, Pat. And kind of just to segue off of, you know, the negative, uh, I think we should, you know, put some light on Dyson Daniels, I, who I think, in my perspective, has played really well the last two games. And in this game, you know, performed pretty, pretty well. Um, you know, given the circumstances, I thought he defended well. He made made some shots and, so, I mean, you can't ask much more from Dyson. Dyson's been um, really good the last two games. And even expanding that out, I'd say probably the last four or five in totality. Um, you know, he, he started the season off with kind of bringing that 
typical, you know, defensive versatility and did a good job attacking the glass. But, um, you know, with, uh, you know, injuries to CJ and Herb, you know, we've seen him get the ball in his hands a little bit more and kind of go back to that natural kind of combo guard um, position that he was playing while he was at G League Ignite that, that, you know, allowed him to be a a high top 10 pick um, for the Pels. So it's been really good to see him shine. Um, I think he's... You know, he's gained a lot of confidence in that jump shot, which is nice, right? He put in a lot of time and, and did some retooling of that shot. So, um, you know, he's doing a lot better job of being a catch-and-shoot guy off of both B.I. and Zion. But at the same time, he's also um, starting to, you know, create his own offense when, when going to the rim. You know, we're we're getting close to almost calling that, you know, 10-foot floater runner kind of like a signature shot for him now. Um, it seems like if he gets a good look at it, um, you know, it's got a high chance of going in. I agree with, with that. And uh, is there anything else you kind of saw from this game? Or do you know, like, how, how we have in some previous games, just chalk it up, you just kind of got to throw this one away, you know, same team coming in on Tuesday and got to try to make some adjustments here. I mean, sure, yeah. All of that is great in theory, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd love to say chalk it up and oh, move on and we'll just make some adjustments. But at this point, I, I'm losing confidence in the fact that said adjustments are going to be made. Um, it doesn't appear that there's any sense of urgency to make any adjustments, um, even if they're the wrong adjustments. I don't even care if we make adjustments and we come out completely flat and we fall on our face, but at least we've made an attempt to do something different because, um, you know, the definition of insanity, right? It's just, you know, doing the same thing over and over again without, you know, expecting any change to occur. And that's what we're experiencing. Um, they're doing the same thing every single night. The opposing teams know that. Um, and that's just kind of where we're at. So sure. I would love to say, let's flush it. Let's watch the film and, and we'll come back against the same Dallas team and, and we'll offer a completely different strategy and play a completely different way. But I have no confidence that's going to be the case. I would imagine we're going to chalk it up. We're going to say, Oh, well, we need to play harder and we don't need to turn the ball over. Um, and I would, I would imagine we're going to come out and get punched in the mouth again, and I wouldn't be surprised if Luka and Kyrie um, go for 60-plus again. Yeah. Do you think this uh, team's checked out already? If they haven't, they're very close. Um, this is – and let me preface this with, I never was in the belief that this team should just run it back because one of the you know core strengths of the unit was that, you know, they were close and they liked each other and they had camaraderie. Well, I think that's completely overblown and at this point is irrelevant. You know, I don't really care if they really get along when they're sitting on the team bus or when they're, um, you know, going out to get food or what, what not. I, it doesn't matter to me. They, they don't play well together. Um, they don't fit well together. Um, you know, if I was running this team or had any say in it, there would be two major points that I would have hammered home in this off season one would be they needed an addition to shooting. That's, and that's on top of, you know, you know, Trey having a good year and con- continuing his ascension um, as a perimeter player and, and shooting at a very high level. Um, they did go and add a guy like Jordan Hawkins, which in theory, right, he has all the tools and has been very impressive so far. But I'm also not going to solely depend on the fact that, you know, I'm going to solve this glaring issue that really is a, you know, it's a make or break need for this team. If they aren't able to acquire shooting and don't have shooting around those two, this group will not work offensively. So 
yes, it's fantastic that Jordan's playing good. It looks like he's going to be a really good player for a really good long time. But to solely assume that, hey, we're going to draft a guy, uh, you know, at the back end of the lottery and he's going to solve all of our shooting problems along with Trey, I think is very um, risky. Um, they didn't really do anything at all outside of that uh, booster the rest of the roster um, with that shooting. Um, so that's certainly one area. And I thought it was a foregone conclusion, um, no doubt about it. I was shocked that, that JV was brought back to this team. And, yeah, there might not have been some great deals out there. But, like, perfect example of, of you know, that kind of coming back to bite you is, well, if you had the same level of confidence in drafting a guy like Hawk to resolve an issue and you were confident in going that route, although it wasn't ideal, then how do you also pass up a guy like that we played tonight, Derek Lively, right? And the, the main, you know, topic that was, that was pointed about that is, you know, we can't do the Jackson thing again. We can't draft a young center that's going to play um, or may not play and may not develop. And so they decided to, you know, either look in a different direction or decide to roll with JV. But, I mean, look at Dallas right now. He's doing exactly what Luke and Kyrie need him to do. And, you know, he, he's providing them with exactly what we need to do. You know, he's a rim defender. He can move in space. You saw him do a really good job of um, moving his feet laterally. I know there was a possession or two that he was able to stay in front of Brandon and, um, you know, make tough sh- or make shots tough on him. Um, he did the same thing with Zion. He's a vertical threat. He caught a number of lobs. Um, he's the exact center that we needed. Um, and although, right, I love Hawk. I'm super impressed with everything I've seen. That's also a conversation there, right? They had a, a position right there to sure up the starting lineup with an ideal fit next to them, and they surpassed um, or passed that up. And for whatever that reason is, I don't know. But, you know, those are two areas, um, along with probably the third one would be some sort of, like, floor general or, or point guard to – to get in these groups, right? And I know there's a, not a lot of minutes to go around, but that certainly were the three areas of concern that this team needed was a primary ball handler and floor general, a better upgrade at the five position to maximize what those other guys can do, and additional shooting. And in all reality, at this point, I have a hard time saying even they went one for three. Sure, even if you give them Hawk, it's early. I still don't think it's enough shooting in totality, but if you want to give them that, fine. But they went one for three in their offseason checklist, and I think that's where a lot of this stems from. You can't just roll back the same team that, in theory, you've seen two years in a row, and they have an average win total of, you know, 39.5 wins um, per season, right? It's just, it's not a recipe for success. I'll pose another question to you. Do you believe there's any accountability on this team? At this point, no, I don't. I don't see that, and I think. I think that's a tricky question, right? I don't think there's accountability in the sense that you would like someone to have accountability. The way that guys, like a guy like Brandon, do I think he's accountable in the way that he's going to be calling guys out in that locker room and he's going to be getting in guys' faces and saying that you know this is just, um, you know, not the standard that we're playing at. No, I don't think that's his personality. I think his, you know, definition of being accountable is he's going to have, a, he's going to be playing poorly, but he's going to show up and he's going to be putting in the work tomorrow and he's going to be getting his shots up and he's going to be, you know, getting his workouts in. And that's the way that he holds people accountable. 
is that the most ideal? No, it's not. I think they need somebody that – it can't just be anybody, right? They have to have a resume. They have to have um, the carte blanche, right, to go ahead and say, there's a reason why I'm in a position that I can say this. You know, I've, I've had this dance before. I've done this. I've experienced it. I've been a key contributor on whatever success that is, and they don't have that. Um, I think the other thing that you're experiencing, right, is you're almost – to me, when I look at Zion and the way that he's carrying himself and the way that he's kind of behaving and acting on the floor is that he's almost like in some type of weird time trance. And, and so is everybody else too, right? It's like he's been in the league for five years. You've given him a max contract. You've given him all this money. You've called him a cornerstone of the franchise. And so you, you put these responsibilities on him that anybody in that situation should be. But he acts and behaves like somebody who has played a season and a half or is maybe halfway into their second year and is still 19 years old and is still figuring it out and checks in and out mentally and doesn't do the small things and, you know, doesn't behave in a way that, you know, he's playing poorly and he's turning the ball over and he's doing all these things that, um, you know, wouldn't be seen as positive and just his behavior about it, right? He's kind of laughing it off. And I think that's more of a, you know, a, a protection device for him, right? I think that's kind of just how he behaves when he doesn't feel like he's playing good or he thinks he's being screwed over by the officials. If he just kind of does the laugh it off and like, you know, it's real funny, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's a big problem, right? That's a guy you're paying $35 million a year and you've pushed to want to be the face of this franchise. And like you've mentioned, I don't, I don't think it, it. I don't know if we'll ever get there that he wants to be that, but he certainly isn't that now. He hasn't done anything to garner it. He's not carrying himself like it. I mean, if you would have dropped me in a, you know, a time machine five years ago, he doesn't look any different in terms of that as he does today. Like if you never knew who Zion Williamson was and flipped on the game tonight and just watched his mannerisms, you would have thought that he was Jordan Hawkins, the guy that's 10 games into his career. And Jordan Hawkins is the guy that's five years into his career. And I think that's a massive issue. Yeah, I mean, I see that as like a big issue. Like you said, B.I., Zion, great guys. B.I.'s accountability is that work ethic, is going to be doing all those right things. But there's no one truly, like Willie likes to say, I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up, but at a certain point, when this stuff keeps happening and happening in these games, why is there not someone there that can do that? Like you said, we might not have that. Yeah, before. but why? Yeah, but why is there? Why was there nobody brought in to either do that? Or if Willie knows that that's not the personality of either one of my two-star players, why is he not doing that? You know, why is he not like Taylor Jenkins did? Regardless if it's right or wrong. You know, why is he not getting technicals and fines? If he feels like his two far two star players aren't getting fair whistles, why is he not getting technicals and fines, you know, in support of them? You can't say that I'm here to support you and I've got your back and yada yada yada, but then you sit over there with your mouth shut and don't say a word. Like you you as a coach and a leader of the team lose credibility when you do that. So if you know that that's not a strength of your team, you know, that's your job as the head coach. You've got to fill in for those gaps, right? I mean, that's the same thing that you would do if you knew, hey, 
any other coach, if, if my center can't guard anybody, I can't play him 35 minutes a night if we're getting torched because of it. Most coaches in the league would say, I can't play this guy. He can't be on the floor. You know, I, I look at how they're playing right now, and I think back to the last two or three years, if, if this is allowed to be on the floor, the way that they're playing right now and what those two guys are producing, then why was Jackson Hayes never allowed to play? What he was doing on a night-to-night basis could not be worse than what these two guys are delivering night in, night out. Yeah, I mean, very good point there. I mean, at the end of the day, it can't be much worse. It can't be worse. There is no, there is no way that it could be worse. You are almost coming in, I would imagine, at a net negative 20 from that position. You're almost starting like you're playing down 20. Because you know at some point, regardless if they hit him early or they hit him late, there's going to be a barrage of about six to eight three-pointers in about an eight-minute stretch that you can't overcome because you can't defend it. You can't get out there. Like it, That's why every it's almost it's like a running joke. It's like a team will start cold, and it's like you know it's coming. Well, the only reason you know it's coming is because they get a steady diet of that shot all night. That's the only reason you know it's come. It shouldn't be a foregone conclusion that a team's going to hit, you know, like I said, six to eight threes in a short span against you. We're the only team in the league that thinks that way or assume that that's coming. But that's because we give up those shots every single possession. Every other team doesn't give up enough wide open threes for that team to, you know, hit those shots. That's our problem. That stems from both JV and Larry. Yeah, it's... Like we said, we can continue to talk about it and talk about it, but unless there's change, it's this is going to be what it looks like. And uh, my perspective on it is the team is fully going to be lost here within the next you know few games if this is how it goes. And if that's what happens, that's what happens, right? But then you have to then, you know, you have to be the grown up in the room, and you've got to make a decision moving forward what is the best path, right? You can't just play this, oh, well, it didn't work, and you're going to look back, and you're going to say, you know, it was injuries, right? Trey came in, we we were missing him, CJ had injuries, you know, Jose is our energizer guy. Well, again, that shouldn't, I'm not saying they need to win every one of these games. I wouldn't have cared if they lost, you know, a close battle to the Mavericks or lost to the Rocket. It's the way that they're losing, it's the way that they're playing. That's a problem. It speaks more to it. Then you could truly say, oh, well, they're playing solid, but they're missing, you know, this this um, you know piece of the puzzle right here and whatnot. But that's not the case. It's not just simply due to the guys that they're missing and what they're bringing, right? If you are such a fragile team that missing an, a guy like Jose, who is an undrafted free agent in a second or third year energy guy off the bench – Right, if that is going to make such a massive issue for your team, then you've already set yourself up for failure, and that's not something you can overcome. You know, Trey is a great player who is ascending to looks like he'll be hopefully an All Star one day. But I can't look over there and say, well, the reason we can't run an offensive set and quit throwing the ball out of bounds, and we can't make a defensive rotation or make any effort to rebound, is because Trey's sitting on the bench. Completely irrelevant. It has nothing to do with it. And, and with CJ, sure, CJ is a really good complimentary piece next to two stars. But you can't force CJ down everybody's throat and make him the leader, right? You can't just 
assign it to him and say, hey, everybody, CJ's your leader, because they're not going to go for it. CJ's a nice player, but CJ has never been to an all-star game. He's never won anything in his career. He's played second fiddle to Dame, and they're a team that, what, best case scenario their entire run in Portland is they got lucky and made it to, the, I believe, the Western Conference Finals and got blitzed 4-0. Like, nobody is, is thinks that highly of CJ enough for the, him to put them in their place, and that's just being honest. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more there, and it's, it's, it's a lot to, to take in these first ten games or nine games or however many we're in. It's just a lot of bad, and it doesn't seem to be going in the direct, right direction. And uh, this is going to become the normal if there aren't changes. So, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, but even there, right, you say become the normal. Well, I don't think it's becoming the normal. I think this is the normal. I think this is a, a tendency that you've seen for even dating back past this regime. This has not been a successful franchise. This has been a franchise that has lost numerous star players. This is a franchise that has always been rumored as a potential team to move. Like, this team has never had that, um, you know, stability where you didn't feel like this was going to happen. And at some point you have to start asking some bigger questions and, and, you know, you have to ask yourself, does some of this percolate from somewhere else? Does this stem from another source? Um, obviously we're not privy to that information to, to know that, but I mean, it's like eventually you watch the same episode over and over again and you know, what's happening. It's like, you know, you know where this is going. You know how it wraps up. You know the main causes of what they'll say, the reason why it did end the way it did. And it's just like, I don't know. It just makes you wonder, you know, is there is there anything you can do to, to really resolve it completely and get this thing, um, you know, headed in the direction that it needs to? Because, like, in theory, sure, you're dealing with a lot of negative things right now, but, like, there's a lot of teams in this league that would happily accept the the problem that New Orleans feels like they have in terms of like, you know, roster and players. Like they've got a lot of quality players. Um, you know, Zion and Brandon, when they're playing well, appear to be you know very high level players with different skill sets. Like nobody's feeling sorry for New Orleans. It's just there's something happening where they're just not able to get the most out of these guys. And they're not putting themselves in a position to succeed. And I think a lot of that at a certain level, and, and you know me, I'm going to put as much responsibility on the players as anybody. You know, it's ultimately it's their job to get it done on the floor. But I also have to be realistic and assume that, you know, the margin of error is so thin in this league because everybody is so talented. And there are so many good players that, like, if you're not getting adequate support above you in terms of coaching and preparation and front office and the way that they make, you know, really small moves around the margins to increase and improve the team in every possible way they can, you know, it's very hard to succeed. And that margin of error gets thinner and thinner. And I think that that's where they're at is where, you know, ultimately I think David has failed this group. Um, I think Willie is dangerously teetering on, um, like you said, if not losing the team, I think there's a potential that that could be soon happening very, very sh shortly. And, you know, that'll be another, uh, you know, name you'll put down where, you know, fair or unfair, you know, Willie would have failed this group. And I don't know what 
roster or what group of guys you could, you know, say, hey, your front office and general manager failed you as well as your coaching staff. Good luck. Right. Not many groups of guys are going to succeed in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of dejected faces there on the bench and that's never a good sign when you're nine games into the season. So, you know, that's yeah, and then that did, from, from that point yeah. of view. you can already see it from JV and you can see BI's kind of frustrated and kind of over it. And, and that, that doesn't look like, like I've seen frustration when they're not playing well <laughs> and they think it's them. Like it doesn't look like that to me. It looks like it's frustration with above them. I think they're frustrated with the coaching staff. That's what it looks like to me. I feel like they are feeling like they're coming into these games and they're being outcoached. And the teams that they're playing against are being put in much um, you know, better situations than they are. And maybe I'm totally misreading it, but that's what it feels like to me. Because obviously all these guys at some point, right – they're all NBA players. They're all going to be a little bit um, irrational, right? They're always going to have the confidence of like, oh, well, we can fix this. And, you know, we're better than like that. You have to have that level of irrational confidence to be that good of a player. Like that's just part of it. And I don't see that. Like I don't see that they're like, we're fine. Like we know it's on us. Like it feels like there's something that they f- see as, you know, there's this um, a movable object in the way. And I feel like they think it's the coaching staff. Do you believe it's an elephant in the room per se? That some of them feel that elephant in the room, like we've been discussing, and then that falls to like what you're saying, the coaching staff, or on the coaching staff. What what elephant are you referring to? Do you feel these other players are feeling the Larry and JV dilemma? I'm sure. How could you not? I mean, obviously, I don't think any of them are going to throw them under the bus, but there's no way you could be on the floor or being on the bench and not seeing that happen over and over and over and over again. Like, it, it happens possession after possession after possession. It's like, they can love the guy as much as they possibly can as a teammate and think he's a great dude, but whenever he's causing them to get their ass busted every single possession because of how bad he is defensively, like, you're going to start losing confidence in it. And I think they are. I, I don't think – I think, like I said, I feel like they feel every night that they tip it up, as talented as these guys are in this league, they feel like they're handcuffed, that they're already playing with one hind behind their back because they're having to work around that and deal with that roadblock that other teams are not. You know, I mean, we don't get anywhere near the level of open shots that other teams do. And, you know, and we have two guys that – routinely like when they catch the ball are being shaded and being guarded by two guys. And there's a third guy almost there. Like we have guys that draw attention from defenses when they have the balls in their hands, but we can't maximize it. Like teams do us because they're able to, you know, cover for each other, at least in a, in a way that's manageable. Right. I mean, we just, we can't do it at all. And we're not playing even guys every single night. They're, that do garner as much attention. Sure. Tonight's like, yeah, it's Luca and Kyrie. Like that's one of the toughest matchups in the league, but we've also played a lot of games where it's like Jalen green and Alfred Sengun. Yeah. Two nice young players, but I mean, please don't kid yourself. There's no way they should garner any more attention from a defense than Brandon and Zion should. 
and yet they are getting three after three after three. You know? Yeah, it just becomes demoralizing at that point. It, it just is... It's a loss for words, yeah, honestly, it, and it's like, if this is how the fan base feels, I mean, if you're in that locker room, if it is, like we're saying, them being frustrated with that position and then not being able to come into games feeling like they're prepared from the coaching staff side, because it still does seem like there is some wonkiness to even say, like, the offense. The offense doesn't... The offense looks terrible. Like, I don't think... I think Zion and Brandon are very, very uncomfortable because it's so new. But at the same time, I don't feel like there's any sets or movement or. Uh, but that's what I was going to say. I mean, if you would have told me it's not new, I wouldn't have known. I'm not seeing anything like I can't put my finger on one thing that I'm seeing. And I was like, oh, well, that's different. The the the, the Brandon flex cut across the top of the, the key to get the ball and then run a pick and roll. I've seen that for four years. Like where where is the where's the difference? Where's the different stuff? I think where's the stuff that where's the him coming off a pin down for an eighteen footer? You know, where's him getting a flare like I'm not seeing anything offensively. Yeah, I mean I think it was just sold to the idea of like we need to play faster, we need to do this, we need to get up more threes. And I've always said in the past, yeah, it's good and great to play that way, but when your team's not realistically able to play that way it's not a good recipe and especially one when you can't get stops and so then at that point, well, yeah because it gets you blow, it gets you blown out again so then at that point you know cj said a couple weeks ago we didn't even put a set in in, in the preseason and now you're well, saying, again like you that's, said the that's, last that's more of these same sets like you're not getting any yeah, evolution that's more the reason why I feel like some of this needs to be said. I think, I mean, I understand. They want to just give it at its truest form and just let them learn how to play together. Like, that's a great idea in, in theory, but, like, we're not, we're not operating in theory. You know, these, you, ha you can't say, hey, this other team that we're playing against this night is just as talented as us, or as us and they have continuity offensively, and they have all these different options to go to depending on how we're guarding them, and then you look at us, and our answer is, let's play hard defensively, and let's get out and run and, and, and you know, find our teammates. Let's share the ball. Well, I mean, come on. You know, I mean, that's, that's not a recipe for success. It's very evident with the results that have happened so far this season. So, Yeah, I mean, I would say up until this point, Everything that was supposed to be sold as the new batch of goods has been an utter failure. I haven't seen anything that would make me feel like, oh, it's a work in progress, but I see the horizon. I see the big picture. I see what we're trying to get to. I, I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing any groundwork. Like, there's no ground floor being built. It seems like it's literally just pick up basketball, essentially. And the only re like, it's. It's honestly comical. Like, we should be losing these games by 50 or 60. Like, the fact that they're even 20-point games is that, like, Brandon and Zion, for, you know, big portions of the game, are making otherworldly shots and just playing tough offense, and it's just simply based on their skill. And then every now and then you have an open perimeter shot that they're able to get another guy, and that's really how they're playing. Outside of that, we're doing absolutely nothing offensively as a unit. 
And it's and trust me, the answer is not simply space out the floor one four flat with Zion and let him pound and find shooters. That is not the answer. So for anybody who's going to say that that's the answer, because I've heard that a lot, it's not, and it's not sustainable. Yeah, Pat, I think you've you've kind of hit the nail on the on the coffin here in this episode and brought really great perspective. Um, this is all I kind of really have for tonight, unless you want to keep talking about uh, whatever moving forward. But you know, it kind of is just that repeated cycle. Yeah, and that's just that's just the nature of the beast, you know. Currently, um, this is the the cards that have been dealt. So we're gonna do what we can to, you know, break it down and, and do it simplest form. But, um, you know, we're not. A, I'm not even gonna close it out with saying, you know, on to Dallas again. Hopefully, like I know, I know what we're gonna get. I know what it is. You know, there's always a small chance that. Um, you know, we get hot for a half and Brandon and Zion are, are playing at that level that we are able to steal one. But already going into the game, we don't really we don't deserve to win this game. You know, we don't we're not doing the things, um, you know, from a preparation standpoint and putting ourselves in a situation to win. And we're also not willing to make tough decisions um, in lieu of, you know, hurting guys feelings and, and doing the right thing, you know. We're not doing any of that stuff, so at this point, I, I don't see a reason to say, "Hey, let's let's hope we make these adjustments and we can steal a win." I don't see, I don't foresee that happening, and I think um, before too long, we're gonna probably start having some some more difficult discussions and and really taking a look back at maybe some of the the shortcomings and and decisions along the way that that got us at this point. No doubt about it, Pat. Again. Pelicans dropped their fifth in a row, 136 to 124. 